tended to play a little too much hero ball. It's a no-brainer selection for Jacksonville. I believe he's a true leader in every sense of the word. I just fear for your fan base that that's what's going to happen. And away we go. Day two of the Ultimate Mock Draft 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Episode two of the six-day simulation featuring all 32 first-round picks plus those first selections for the teams not selecting in round one are locked on local experts making picks for those teams they cover. You'll get in-depth analysis from locked on college experts about each prospect and from our Odyssey insiders like Jason Lockenfora, Mark Herzlick, and Hall of Fame wide receiver and three-time Super Bowl champion Michael Irvin. I am Brian Peacock from the Peacock and Williamson NFL show alongside former NFL and college scout Matt Williamson. Matt, I'm excited for this one. We might see some quarterbacks flying off the board at some point pretty soon here. Uh, Big decisions to make for the Carolina Panthers, who are on the clock at six. We've got uh, the number two selection already in this draft from the Giants and Jets coming up as well. So uh, dominated by defensive players on day one, I think there might be a comeback of the offensive side of the football here on day two. Yeah, I mean, I think this is without question where quarterback starts to, you know, be a real consideration and offense I think is going to be the pick either way for Carolina um, they have massive picket ties I mean the owner is a big donor at Pitt and Matt Rule recruited them I prefer Willis I could see either direction here and make a case for both but BP you and I have been talking about this a lot on the show the more I think about it if I were in charge of Carolina I think I'm taking Ekwanu here and trading for Jimmy or signing Baker for a year and going from there. I am too. With offensive line in the shape that it is for the Panthers, you can't really expect whoever your quarterback is, and especially a rookie quarterback, to come in and play exceedingly well. And if you're Matt Rule, you probably want to save your job and maybe uh, be coaching this team when that quarterback gets good in a year or two, right? So you need some wins, and they do have some pieces on this roster. They need a quarterback that is functional now, and Sam Darnold in his NFL career hasn't proven that. So do you try to get that out of a rookie early in their career, or do you draft an offensive tackle here, try to fix that offensive line, and then maybe make a call about Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe get really a bargain on those trades on Thursday night after the draft. Right. And that's a quarterback upgrade and you'd be putting them in a good situation. And I don't know that drafting a quarterback and winning five games saves your job. I think it clearly would not, but at the same time, maybe, maybe GM Scott Fitterer has a little bit more job security than the head coach, and he's not worried about the short term. He's trying to build something long term, and that's probably what ownership would like as well, although I know David Tepper is somebody who maybe not doesn't have the, the greatest amount of patience and probably wants to win now as well. We'll see what kind of patience Julian Council has. He is ready with the selection at number six overall in the Ultimate Mock Draft, the host of Locked On Panthers. With the sixth pick of the ultimate mock draft, the Carolina Panthers select Malik Willis, quarterback, Liberty University. Why do the Panthers make this decision? How does it impact their team? Well, it's quite simple. The Carolina Panthers have been the thirstiest, most desperate team in the football league over the last two offseasons, trying to find a franchise quarterback. They hope that Malik Willis can be that. Sitting there at six, manager Scott Pitter has said multiple times that's a time where you take a shot at a potential franchise quarterback and financially 
getting someone on a rookie scale pay wage makes the most sense opposed to trying to spend multi-million dollars on guys like Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield who aren't the answer potentially long-term for the Carolina Panthers. And the hope is that maybe Malik Willis will be. Now for me, I don't think that Willis, Pickett, or any of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class are actually going to be worth the sixth pick or franchise quarterbacks for the Carolina Panthers have to find someone for at least the hope that Scott Bitter, the general manager, can keep his job long-term. Matt Rule, he's cooked either way. So maybe Malik Willis can offer a brighter day for Scott Bitterer and whoever the next head coach is of the Carolina Panthers this time next year. And it is indeed the quarterback Malik Willis, the first quarterback off the board, small school of Liberty. And I'm not going to even go in research this one very far. I'm going to guess that this is the highest selection Liberty has ever had in the NFL draft. Uh, a super talented player, though. There's no higher upside in this class. Arm, athleticism. And man, I think he's really blowing teams away in interviews as well as Malik Willis. Yeah, I mean, he's my favorite quarterback in this class. I just think he's going to take a lot of time. And I guess if you were to make this pick, you could still trade a future pick for Jimmy and not give it to Darnold in week one or try to get Mayfield involved. I guess that would make some sense um, and kind of bring Willis along like Baltimore did with Lamar, you know, a package here and there and give him more and more as the season goes on. I really like the player, super high upside. Um, I would have went with a tackle, but I absolutely understand. The right pick for the Carolina Panthers and the only pick is Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Most fans will be patient with you as you build a team provided they have one thing. That thing is hope. The issue with Carolina is that has been in short supply. Enter Malik Willis who comes into the draft as the consensus number one QB and a skill set that reminds some of former number one overall in league MVP Cam Newton. He's a fluid athlete that isn't stiff and is electric with the ball in his hands. He's perfectly capable of playing Superman and had to do so often at Liberty against superior competition. He has a quick twitch release, something that sets him apart from other large quarterbacks, and teams who have interviewed Malik have marveled at his play recall, situational awareness, and comprehensive ability to digest new information and terminology. When you draft Malik Willis, you're drafting a culture-changing leader for your locker room and a playmaker who was responsible for more touchdowns at the FBS level than any other college football player the past two seasons. His selection is a total no-brainer for the Carolina Panthers, especially after passing on Justin Fields and Mac Jones last year. I'm Mark Ryan, host of Offsides on the Fan Upstate. To the college insider Brandon Olson, who's going to break down the prospect that is Malik Willis out of Liberty. Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. If you're looking for your franchise quarterback, congratulations. You just found him. I am Brandon Olson from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Malik Willis is a dual threat quarterback that is probably going to become an elite quarterback in the NFL. He's got all of the tools to become a top three to five QB in the NFL, when you look at the Josh Allen type, the Patrick Mahomes type, where you go, can this guy win us the games instead of just can he not lose the games for us? That is what you're getting from Malik Willis. He is going to be phenomenal and an electrifying player for at least a decade, I'd say. And quick turnaround for Patricia Trena, who's on the clock here as host of Locked On Giants with the New York Giants pick. They just selected at five. They're on the clock again at pick number seven. They went with offensive tackle 
Evan Neal. Well, now where do the Giants go? Do they go need? Do they go best player available? There's a number of ways that I think uh, it would make sense for the Giants to go with number seven overall. And you've got to think that Patricia was looking at offensive tackle, not expecting one to be here at seven, even though Ekwanu is still on the board because of that need for the Panthers. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a shock that Ekwanu is still on the board. You know, that six players were picked and he's not one of them because he's a fantastic prospect. And boy, I would have never thought this, but it would cross my mind to take Neil and Ekwanu and have like the best line in the league and just give it to Barkley <laughs> over and over and over. You know what I mean? Like, right. just go all in. Um, I would think one of the edge guys is in play here. Has to be Johnson, in my opinion, with a Jabo's injury. Seems a little early for him, but there's a run. And if you're going to get one, it's probably your only shot. And you mentioned Stingley before. I think Stingley is certainly in the possibility, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would make absolutely a lot of sense for the Giants here at yeah. number seven. But the pick is in. Let's go to Patricia Trainer, the host of Locked on Giants, and find out who the pick is for New York at seven overall. With the seven pick of the ultimate mock draft, the New York Giants select Jermaine Johnson, Edge, Florida State. You want versatility in an edge rusher? Johnson has it. He's played with his hand in the dirt. He's lined up over the tackle. He's rushed off the edge, and he's dropped back into coverage. Johnson is a classic Swiss Army knife that can do a lot of things well, that create nightmares for opposing offenses. And it doesn't matter what side of the field we're talking about because Johnson has played both halves of the field equally well. With a player like Johnson on the defense, the possibilities for new Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale are both exciting and endless, thanks to the rookie's versatility. And at pick number seven overall, we're talking outstanding value. And it is Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, and he had just put together the best possible season of production, plus senior bowl domination, plus throwing down and proving to teams what kind of athlete he was at the Combine and has just checked off every single box, really make himself into a top 10 selection. You're right. I mean, again, we're behind what the league is, but like even after his Senior Bowl week, I thought, wow, he's probably right in the middle of the first round now. And then the more you think of it, and again, I mentioned the Jabos injury, I, I don't know that he gets out of the top 10. I think he's a heck of a prospect. When it's all said and done, I probably would have made the same decision with Neil already on board. Let's hear more about Jermaine Johnson from Max Moody, our Florida State expert. Jermaine Johnson is a transfer to Florida State, but he became a true seminal this year, mounting double-digit sacks and carrying the defense both on the field and as an emotional leader off of the field. He came in from Georgia after not being able to break the lineup there, but that shouldn't concern draft analysts because let's be honest, not many people could break that defensive line. And then when he got to Florida State, he showed us exactly what he was capable of. Jermaine Johnson's 265 pounds. He ran a 4.5840. They actually had him run with the linebackers instead of the other edge rushers because he was that fast. And if there's another reason, I don't care because I'm going to stick with that story. He's quick. He's violent at the point of attack. And he has a nose for the quarterback coming from community college then going to Georgia, then going to Florida State. He has improved every single year and risen to the occasion every single time he's been given more responsibility. And that type of mentality and that type of work ethic 
is going to translate to the NFL. Coming up on the Ultimate Mock Draft, the Atlanta Falcons on the clock at pick number eight. Aaron Freeman standing by of Locked On Falcons with that selection. We've got the Seattle Seahawks picking ninth overall, followed by the second selection already in this mock draft of the New York Jets at 10 and the Washington Commanders. A lot of talent on the board for Aaron Freeman and the Atlanta Falcons, number eight overall here. A number of directions the Falcons could go. Listening to trade offers, I think, would be smart. This is one of the worst rosters in the NFL, let's be honest here, Matt. So they could go anywhere. I think best player available is probably the right way for the Falcons to attack this draft. Without question. Uh, I've said this on our show that I would wait till next year if I were Atlanta for the quarterback, you know, and that's not because I'm a Mariota fan, which I, he's fine, but I just think that they're so bad that they really have a chance to be early, early pick next year or within striking distance of a top, top quarterback. They need everything. I mean, I keep bringing up Stingley. Uh, that would make some sense, but their pass rush was the worst in the league last year. I mean, I think Johnson would have been very much at play here. Could this be the first receiver? I mean, that Ridley suspension, besides Kyle Pitt, I mean, their wide receiver room is probably the worst position group in the whole league, but Ekwanu is still available too. Like, that's something you might just have to take the best player on the board. Yeah, if you're drafting BPA, you might have to just go Ekwanu and move on and build that offensive line, and I don't think there would be anything wrong with that. Could this be the start of the run of wide receivers as well? Let's find Maybe. out. The pick is in Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons with a selection at number eight in the Ultimate Mock Draft. With the eighth pick in the Ultimate Mock Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Ike McQuanu, offensive lineman from NC State. Gone are the days of Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, where the Falcons had a high-flying pass-first attack. It's now about establishing a more physical, run-first identity in Atlanta, and there's no player in this 2022 draft class that embodies that more than Iki Aquanu. He's one of the best run-blocking offensive linemen we've seen in recent memory. He also offers positional flexibility having experience playing both guard and tackle, which mean he can immediately slide in and upgrade the physicality of what has been a lackluster Falcons offensive line in recent years that has been far too often the side of the ball that has been punished in the trenches. And with Aquanu, the Falcons now have a player that can potentially flip that script and truly does embody that physical punishing, physical identity. And it was best player available, Matt. It can make Aquanu. The offensive lineman, I don't care if he's left tackle, right tackle, guard. You called him a, a Coke machine on cleats, right? Is that what you called Equanu? <laughs> yeah, and right. I love that yeah, visual because that's what he is. He he destroys people out there. Really does. And he had to be the highest graded guy left. They need everything. They've invested in the offensive line, but by no means would I say the O-line's good or a strength. And mm -hmm. he might complete things. And again, a team that needs everything, just take the best player on the board. Matt, our Odyssey experts are all across the country, as are our Locked On podcast hosts. Let's get more information on the selection of Ikem Ekwanu to the Falcons at number eight. The Falcons have moved on from Matt Ryan this offseason, trading him to the Indianapolis Colts. Picking up Marcus Mariota still means the Falcons will have to protect the quarterback, which is why at the eighth overall pick, they will select offensive tackle Ekim Ikwanu out of North Carolina State. Ikwanu's stock continues to rise. Some people have him as the number one overall pick in this draft. 
He set a 40-time record for offensive linemen running a 4-9-3 at the Combine. And he's one of the most athletic players in this draft. Large, explosive, and violent. Quickly sets up off the snap and devastates opponents with his hands and destroys defenders at the line of scrimmage. He stays squared, easily seals defenders from the action, and plays nasty football. He's also one of the best run blockers in this draft. And with the Kwanu skill set, he only gave up nine pressures in 476 pass plays this season. Ikim Ikwanu, whose nickname is Icky for Icky Woods, because when he was in grade school, one of his teachers said, you sort of look like Icky Woods, the former Cincinnati Bengals running back. And so the name stuck. But the six foot four, 310 pound offensive tackle can play either right or left, which is why the Falcons would be interested. They already have Jake Matthews at left tackle and adding Ikim Ikwanu, he could play right tackle and protect the quarterback, but more importantly, also helping the Falcons running game. He comes from a great line of athletics in his family. His father from Nigeria was a basketball star. His mother was also a sports star. So the pedigree runs in the family. Ikim Ikwanu will be the eighth overall pick for the Atlanta Falcons. Kenton Gibbs standing by, locked on Wolfpack, North Carolina State expert. Let's find out more about the latest Falcon in Ekwanu. Ekwanu, McQuanu, offensive tackle from NC State. He has the highest floor by far of all of the top 10 prospects. He's a plug-and-play guard right away if you need him to be. But I personally, like many scouts, because of the length of his arms and the mobility that he has in his feet, believe that he is a left tackle that's going to anchor somebody's line for years to come. A powerful punch, the pancake king of Raleigh. Wherever he goes, is getting a dominant force right away. Always a wild card, Matt, are those Seattle Seahawks. But we haven't seen them picking this high in a long time. So I'm really interested to see the direction that Corbin Smith goes with this pick, the host of Locked on Seahawks. Boy, Aguanu would have been a home run for them. I mean, the way that they like to run the football, the physicality, um, these edge guys are flying off the board. That's not ideal for Seattle. Would you just take a guy like Stingley who has the desired length? Probably would be my pick at this point. A lot like Atlanta. I think I'm waiting a year for quarterback for Seattle. I agree there at quarterback, although teams get nervous and teams push quarterbacks up the board, sometimes a little too high, sometimes higher than they need to be. But if you don't have that position, you're not going to be in very good shape in the NFL. Did the Seahawks go quarterback? There's a number of players. There's still some offensive tackles if that's the direction they want to go as well, even though Iguanu is no longer on the board. Charles Cross, Trevor Penning, I think, could go higher than a lot of people expect. Let's find out who the selection is because the Seahawks are ready. To Corbin Smith we go, the host of Locked on Seahawks at number nine. With the ninth pick in the ultimate mock draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. After losing Russell Wilson this offseason and with only three tackles currently on the roster, the Seahawks have a number of needs they could address with their top 10 pick acquired in the Wilson trade to the Broncos. But even after picking Jordan Brooks in the first round two years ago, They have to find a player to replace Bobby Wagner, and Devin Lloyd is the perfect fit to do that. He's proficient in coverage. Three of his five interceptions at the University of Utah were returned for touchdowns. He also produced 43 tackles for loss and 15 and a half sacks 
So he is a rare modern-day off-ball linebacker that can do everything. He's great in coverage. He's disruptive at the line of scrimmage and can blow up run plays. You can even have him rush off the edge like a defensive end in certain packages. Not many off-ball linebackers can do that, considering how teams like the Rams have torched the Seahawks with crossers in the middle of the field over the years. Bringing in an athletic linebacker like Lloyd that has great ball skills and instincts and coverage and also can be a game wrecker against the run and chasing down quarterbacks. This is a no-brainer at number nine. Even if it isn't considered the biggest need on the roster at this point, they are getting a potential all-pro player at pick number nine. And in true Seahawks fashion, they win a direction that neither one of us saw, Matt, and that is Devin Lloyd, but a really stud prospect. And I could see how... The Seahawks, sitting here with the defensive scheme that they have incoming, could look at Devin Lloyd and say, well, this is our highest-rated player. I don't care about positional value. We're going with Devin Lloyd. A very Seahawks-like pick, and I don't necessarily mean that as a compliment. (laughs) I mean, uh, just other positions. They've had great success with Bobby Wagner there. I thought Brooks was quite good, though, under the radar last year, and I just see other needs um, I could see them not loving Cross I mean, just because he's more of a pass blocker than a masher. I could see them loving Lloyd, but for a team that's in the shape that Seattle's in, I don't think I'm taking an off-the-ball linebacker in the top ten. Well, we've got a linebacker in-house, Matt. Odyssey expert Mark Herzlick to break down the selection of Devin Lloyd to the Seahawks at nine. Yeah, Devin Lloyd at number nine. I think it's a, it's a really solid, safe choice for the Seahawks. And, you know, if they don't go with an offensive tackle in that spot, then I think that, hey, this makes perfect sense. Um, you know, we need to make this 3-4 defense look like it did when Bobby Wagner was here, and we could have found our guy right here in Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd, you know, really good off the edge. He can be off the ball linebacker. He's rangy, long guy. He's got some closing speed, ran a four six six. So he's a guy that could be there uh, at number nine, but he could also be there at 12. So, you know, the Seahawks have been known for trading down. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade down a couple picks if that option is available and try to get Devin Lloyd at 11 or 12. Time to check in with our college expert, Jake Hatch, on the prospect that is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Devin Lloyd, linebacker from the University of Utah. If you want an All-American player who is going to be capable of contributing at every level of your defense, Devin Lloyd is the player for you. Hi, everybody. I'm Jay Catch, host of Locked On Utes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Devin Lloyd was a consensus All-American this past season for the University of Utah. And any Utah fan will tell you that he was the key piece, maybe the ultimate piece of what led them to their Rose Bowl run this past season. More than capable of making plays across the field, in the backfield, in the run game, in the secondary, in his pass sets. He is able to affect the game at every level, and University of Utah fans were able to enjoy that for the past two seasons. He will be that same type of player in the NFL. I believe he's a three-down linebacker who will be a day-one starter for an NFL franchise, and whichever team happens to land him is also getting an A-plus human being off the field. No nonsense, all-business type player who simply wants to be the best he can be. That is what you're getting in Devin Lloyd. We get to hear from John Butchko again to make the second selection already in this ultimate mock draft for the New York Jets, who are on the clock at number 10. The Jets went with an edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, at number four. That still leaves quite a few things open for the Jets here. To me, it's pretty easy to go with the corner and go with Stingley. You got the the pass rusher at four. 
get the corner, and really solidify that defensive side of the ball, which is something the Jets haven't been able to do since really the, the Rex Ryan era, right? Right. I mean, they've been so heavily linked to wide receivers, I mean, including Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf and you know, trading for guys. Almost every mock you see has them taking a receiver with one of these two top 10 picks, but by no means would I take any of those receivers over Stingley. I mean, if you can add that combination of Thibodeau and Stingley, although it's a little volatile one, and they both hit, I mean, your defense, your pass defense has taken massive steps forward. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I know the receiver linkage is a real thing, though. What about Kyle Hamilton? He was fine of for a long time in the lead up to this draft process as maybe the regardless of position, the best prospect on the board, really. And he could he slip out of the top 10? Hasn't had great postseason workouts. Those workouts don't worry me much. I mean, I think the biggest negative on him is not his 40 time. It's just the position he plays and how much the people value it. The pick is in for John Butchko, the host of Locked On Jets, selecting at number 10 for New York. Who are they going to pair with their young edge rusher with this selection? With the 10th pick of the Ultimate Mock Draft, the New York Jets select Drake London, wide receiver, USC. The Jets need to improve their wide receiver room. Zach Wilson is entering his second NFL season, and his first year in the league had a lot of struggles, so this team needs to do everything in its power to support the young quarterback and put him in a position to succeed. And right now, the group the group of receivers the Jets have just is not good enough. Yes, Elijah Moore showed promise as a rookie. Yes, Corey Davis has a decent NFL track record. Yes, Braxton Berrios is coming off a career year, but this team needs more. London brings a dimension the Jets don't have. He's a very good contested catch guy. He also fits the Jets' offense well because he's a big target on short passes. He's also tough to bring down in the open field. Joe Douglas has shown during his career, the general manager of the Jets, a propensity for favoring bigger receivers. Yes, if a guy is extremely fast like Elijah Moore or Tyreek Hill, who the Jets tried to trade for, He'll make exceptions, but generally, I think the Jets want a bigger receiver, and London fits that description. And the first wide receiver off the board, and it's not one of those little 170, 180-pound, 4-3 speed guys. They went with size, and it is Drake London out of USC. What are your thoughts, Matt, here? Is he a top-10 guy for you? No, but I do understand it. And again, I was just complimenting this coaching staff in front office yet, you know, the last show about, you know, how the how well I think the Jets have done. And I do give them extreme credit for let's just make Zach Wilson's life as easy as possible. And London does that completely. I mean, he's much different than Elijah Moore. Corey Davis is much more of a two than a one to me. The line's in pretty good shape. They actually signed some tight ends. So, Wilson's now in a pretty soft, nice landing spot to see if he can sink or swim. Pac-12 expert Spencer McLaughlin is standing by to clue us in a little bit more on who Drake London is the prospect and what he could be the pro. Drake London is a guy who has the physical tools, but they don't pop off the screen when you watch him play on television. 6'5", 210 pounds. He knows how to use his frame to put his body in advantageous positions and make contested catches against defensive backs. 
He doesn't have blazing speed. He's coming off of an injury his final year down in Los Angeles with the Trojans. So that might limit his upside a little bit, but that shouldn't take away from the ability this guy has as a possession receiver. He's more than capable of being a player in the scramble game. He's a great route runner and really does a great job running after the catch. He's physical, uses that size to perfection, and that is why he will be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. The final pick of day two is ready to go here, Matt. Washington Commanders are on the clock, number 11 overall to finish the second day of picks for the ultimate mock draft. A number of talented players on the board. I would think that continuing to build the defensive side of the ball in the secondary would be a huge consideration here for Washington. Man, I think this works out unbelievably well for the Commanders. Like, if you told me a few months ago that... Hamilton and Stingley were going to be the first two picks in the entire draft. I would have said, I can understand that. That makes perfect sense. I don't know that anyone has better tape than those two players on their best day. And now both are sitting there for Washington. I mean, Hamilton and Stingley, I don't think you can go wrong with either. I, I would be thrilled if just one of the two were sitting there for me when I was picking at 11. Or do they go to the offensive side and maybe give Carson Wentz a weapon? to score some points and then maybe outscore some teams there in the NFC East. A lot of ways they could go. Ready with the pick at number 11. With the 11th pick of the ultimate mock draft, the Washington Commanders select Kyle Hamilton, safety, Notre Dame. Washington was near the bottom in every pass category on defense in the 2021 NFL season. Hamilton is not only the best safety in the draft, but he's arguably the best offensive back overall and a safer pick than LSU's Derek Stingley, who is still on the board. And the slide ends for Kyle Hamilton. It's been a wild draft process, and it is really weird sometimes when you have such a high grade on a player and you think, well, he ran 4-6 at the combine, ran 4-7 at pro day, can't draft him now. And it just seems so strange because you don't play football in shorts, right? You play football in pads, and there's never been a question about Kyle Hamilton's range when he's on the football field at Notre Dame. Absolutely. And I love this pick. Again, I didn't think they could go wrong with him or Stingley. I very much think that front four that they have is just loaded with first-round picks will generate a lot of pressure. And where I'm going with this is just Hamilton playing the eyes of quarterbacks, maybe tip balls, you know, takeaways, big plays. You know, he's going to play man coverage against Dallas Goddard when you play the Eagles. And, you know, I mean, there's so much you can do with him. So front line of the defense, I think, is in great shape still. And now you have a potential star on the back end. Odyssey expert Michael Irvin has seen his fair share of defensive backs. I wonder what he thinks about this selection for Washington of a safety, Kyle Hamilton, at 11. This is a great pick for the Washington football team because Cal Hamilton has top five talent. He just doesn't play a top five position when you talk about safety. But they were talking about him going all the way up near the top five in this 2022 NFL draft. And the other thing here that you must remember, I know everybody's kind of excited, and I say kind of because there's no slam dunk, that now you have Carson Wentz on the offensive side. But the bread and butter of this Washington football team comes on the defensive side. I was just with that young beast that they have uh, uh, rushing the passer. Uh, uh, and the beast that they have on those defensive lines. When you put 
Chase with this dude right here. You got Chase chasing down the quarterbacks on the front end and Kyle Hamilton chasing down all receivers on the back end. Boy, that makes Washington a great defense, and that's where they're going to win this year is on defense. Locked on ACC host Candace Cooper is standing by to tell us more about Kyle Hamilton, what kind of player he was at Notre Dame, what kind of prospect he is for the Commanders. I'm here to talk Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. I want you to first not get too caught up on drills. At the end of the day, a 40-yard dash ain't going to help you much on that field. Kyle Hamilton is a unicorn. He's absolutely going to make an immediate impact on whatever team chooses him. Don't be silly now. I understand safeties are not the picks that normally get the top spots, but don't miss out on what should be one of the best players defensively. That's a long time coming for a lot of these organizations. Don't do it. Don't get caught up on drills. As the second group of picks comes off the board, Panthers take Malik Willis and jumped our thoughts about the quarterbacks in general. Liberty quarterback to the Panthers. The Giants come back with Jermaine Johnson, somebody you just talked about a little bit earlier. The Falcons get Icky Aquanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. Then it is Devin Lloyd to the Seahawks. There's a surprise for you. We'll get to that in a second. The Utah linebacker going to Seattle and the Jets come back. Drake London. The big, powerful wide receiver from USC. The commanders finished it up with Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. You were you were surprised about Malik Willis, weren't you? Just a little, right? I mean, but this is a team that's trying to figure it out at the quarterback position. I think the most surprising part about drafting Malik Willis at six to the Panthers is that their head coach, Matt Rule, is on the hot seat. And there's a chance that he might not see Malik Willis develop because he'll be out of there. I like it in the sense of, all right, let's go and try to get better at the quarterback position. They have all kind of question marks surrounding Sam Donald. They've made it clear that this has not worked out the way that they had hoped. So it makes sense from that standpoint of trying to upgrade at the quarterback position. But head coach, we'll see if he'll be around to, you know, be able to reap the benefits of drafting a talent like Willie Willis. I think the things that were kind of a little bit more intriguing to me, I really like that I was wrong about Jermaine Johnson, right, being off the clock for them. Being able to land Jermaine Johnson at pick seven, New York Giants, I think that's excellent. Equanu, uh, being able to upgrade that Atlanta Falcons offensive line. You know, I know Matt Ryan isn't there anymore, but that was a quarterback that was consistently running for his life. And as well as he understands what he's seen from defenses and being able to get the ball out of his hands, he couldn't get it out quick enough to stop himself from being knocked on his butt continuously throughout games. So adding Equanu, uh, I think that's a big time uh, plus for the Atlanta Falcons. And then the in- interesting ones here, Devin Lloyd uh, to the Seahawks, Drake London to the Jets, and then the commanders taking Kyle Hamilton. I think those are all guys that I would have expected to go more so toward 15 to 32, but nonetheless, very talented guys. Most interesting for me is the commanders taking Kyle Hamilton. It's hard to walk into that franchise this a in a lot of turmoil, but B knowing the shadow of Sean Taylor is there. I think when this draft process started, we had Kyle Hamilton very, very high testing brought him down. Some clearly that's the case here, but at the end of the day, he's a very good player. They can play a position that they need. And I like that contrast. Let's see if he can grow in to somebody that can actually stand up in that shadow. That is the end of day two. We are through 11 picks on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2022. Between picks six 
and 11, Matt, did anything stand out to you, good or bad, how the board fell for some of these teams? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I was hard already on Seattle, but I, if I had to pick a loser from this group, it would be Seattle. And that's not a massive knock on Devin Lloyd. I, I don't think he's the ninth best player in this draft, to be flat out honest. And it's more of just a position value, salary cap, team building strategy that if you're going to move on from Wilson and start to build, you know, build, get building blocks for your team through the draft, I think they need to be tackles, pass rushers, corners. And there were some options there. Hey, nobody thought Bobby Wagner was a top nine selection a few years ago either. And I think uh, if we did a redraft, he would go top sure. nine in his draft class, right? So maybe they found another Hall of Fame linebacker to replace another Hall of Fame linebacker there in Devin that Lloyd. That formula worked. Yeah. <laughs> How about, uh, I'll go Kyle Hamilton, just because Washington was able to sit back at 11, let the draft come to them, and got themselves a player that they probably thought they would have had no chance of getting you know, just a short month or two ago. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll say they're winners there. I would also throw into the loser category the Carolina Panthers going quarterback just too high in this draft class, and I understand why they would do it. I don't think it makes them better now, and I worry about the development of a player who needs a lot of development in Malik Willis when offensive line is still a huge need there, so you got to protect that investment. Coaching changes could be coming as well. I just don't think it's the right strategy for Carolina, but I understand why, and I think it's probably the most likely the way they actually will go at six as quarterback. I mean, especially without a second and third round pick. I mean, they're, they don't have a ton of options, but I agree with you. You know, Willis would not have been my selection for that team at the time, especially with Ekwanu still on the board. Day three should be just as good. Pick number 12, the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings is no doubt chomping at the bit to make that selection. And then he will be followed by another pick from the Houston Texans, the third team now to make their second selection already in this draft. Baltimore Ravens, Philadelphia Eagles, the first of their two picks in the first round, and followed by the New Orleans Saints, the first of their two picks in this draft. So it should be a fun day three tomorrow following a fantastic day two here on the Ultimate Mock Draft. Looking forward to it. Next up, pick 12, and those Minnesota Vikings back with you tomorrow.